welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Ephesians 5 verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But anything is exposed by the light. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You may be seated. As we've been studying these past weeks, there have been some regular themes that have come up throughout the book of Ephesians. One of those themes, one of those ideas is being children of God. If you were with us last week, you might remember looking at the idea that We are beloved children, that the love that God has as that God has towards us as children is great. And in light of that, there's things that we are commanded, things that are imperatives that flow out of that. Again, in our text tonight, Paul identifies Christians as children. And this time he uses the phrase children of light. You can see it at the end of verse eight, children of light. And that's going to be our title here tonight. This theme here, like many others throughout Ephesians, is worth hearing again and again and again. Paul recognizes that his readers are likely losing track of some of these thoughts. They're likely losing the the mental picture of these ideas as they listen, just like you and I tend to do. A lot of us would say that we typically think things through in our life. We typically think things through before we act. Typically. But here's a fact for you. According to statistics published by several major universities, the average person makes how many decisions per day? How many decisions does the average person make per day? I heard two, probably more than that. 35,000. 35,000 decisions the average person makes every single day. Decisions like, should I do my homework? Should I come to youth group? 
What should I wear to youth group? Should I talk to that person? Should I sing louder or quieter in worship? Should I write that down? Should I be listening more carefully to this sermon tonight? Approximately 95% of the decisions that we make every single day are not done in active thought. They're done by the subconscious mind that we have. That means that 95% of your life is lived on autopilot. It's kind of scary. It's kind of intimidating. Because of this, we must train our subconscious thoughts by continuing to feed our minds what is true. By continuing to put before it what is right. So that even without thinking, we can act and react rightly in our lives. Paul's helping us do that here. Section after section of Ephesians, Paul says, You are this. You are children of the light. You are beloved. You are adopted. You're sons and daughters. You're given a new heart. In light of that, live it out. Live it in this way. It looks like this. There's no shortcut here to training our brain to remember these things. It only comes in consistent soaking in and marinating the truth in God's word. That's why we place such a big importance on reading our Bibles daily. It's because we know that throughout our lives, every single day, we're just bombarded with all sorts of information with different ideas, different desires, different ambitions, whether that comes from within us or from the world to us, we have to go back to the truth and what is right. So, children of the light, we're going to look at two ideas. Who are they? How do they live? So, point number one, children of the light, who are they? Well, children of the light are no longer joined to or partnered with the sons of disobedience that we see in verse 6. This is the former manner of life. It's an idea that's expounded on more fully in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. If you're familiar with that passage, it, it just goes through all of, these, all of these things in detail where it, it explains that we were enemies of God. We were by nature children of wrath. And, and yet God moved in his love towards us and he changes our nature. Since being made alive and awakened... Our identities change. At one time, you were darkness. At one time, you were darkness. Reading from verse 8. But now, you are light. You were darkness, but now you are light. We see a couple things clearly in this little passage right here. It says, first, the Christian's old existence of darkness... Their identity of darkness, as the text says, a life of sin is not the result of a few wrong choices. It's not just, you know, you kind of went off the rails a little bit and you became a child of darkness or I have dark thoughts, so I'm a child of darkness. No, it's, it's not that we're sinners by choice, though we do choose sin, but it's that we're sinners by nature. This is an important distinction because it's one of the things that makes Christianity different than all other religions in the world. A profession of faith in Christ is not just an agreement to live by the rules outlined in the Bible. It's not just saying, okay, I'll subscribe to to that law, to that code, that moral code. A true profession of faith comes from a changed nature, where the sinner who used to be, physically be darkness, now physically becomes light, becomes the same substance of God, because the Spirit of God now dwells within us. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light. The entire nature of a person changes 
when we become children of light. Children of light are those with a new nature. And it's all because of God's grace working through His Spirit within our hearts. So we know who they are. Now we're going to spend the rest of the time tonight unpacking this. How do they live? How do they live? We're going to go through a list of these things. My first sub-point, how do they live? How does a children of light, how does a child of light live? Well, first they discern God's will. They discern God's will. Have any of you ever assembled a piece of Ikea furniture? Anyone? A couple of brave hands. It's hard. It's hard. Okay. You think, you, you know, you see, the, you see the image or you see the display model in the store. You're like, oh, that's going to take like 30 minutes to put together. Maybe. Maybe. But then you open this package and there's like 48 screws and like six legs and like all this just gibberish. You're like, where does this piece even go? I have no idea. And my tendency is, I'll just figure it out. I'll be all right. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll... I'll, I'll I'm handy. Like, I'll put it together. It'll be fine. But what happens is I spend three hours working on something that should have only taken me 30 minutes because I'm too proud to just look at the instruction manual and get direction. I could have just shortcutted this whole process by searching out what the prescribed instructions were in regards to it. As Christians, we have to go back to the Word of God. I get it. We can often get into these streams of life, these seasons of life where we just kind of coast. Like everything is just, it's going all right. Maybe it's not, it's not amazing, but it's, it's not terrible. We kind of make our own decisions. We kind of, you know, just work our way through school. Especially now we're coming into May. We're all just thinking, yep, can't wait to get to summer, right? We just coast. At the end of the day, we know God loves us. He's taking care of us. We'll be all right. We don't place that much importance on discerning God's will. But what we see in verse 10 is that is a reminder that there's more to life than just coasting. There's more to the Christian life than just being adopted. There's more to the Christian life than just getting a ticket to heaven. Because of that, we're called to discern God's will. We're called to seek the scriptures. We're called to reflect on our hearts and on our actions in prayer and meditation with God. The Lord takes this posture and uses it to just propel us to growth in the Christian life. This is the fast track of spiritual growth, and it's found in reading the field guide. Yes, the Bible is much more than just a list of rules and helpful tips to live a better life, one that's fuller or richer or you name it. But it does contain principles that God has graciously given us that do help us live a life that is fulfilling and satisfying and free from sin. He commands us to live intentionally. And the way that we're able to discern what that intentionality looks like, to discern what the will of God is, is by studying the Word of God. Children of light discern God's will in their lives. What else do they do? They oppose darkness. Point number two, they oppose darkness. Paul speaks in verses, verse 11 on taking no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Instead of just avoiding these wicked things, we're not just supposed to be content with not participating. But instead, he says, don't just play defense, but go on offense. Expose them. Live this out. And I think it's careful that we, we take a second and we understand, okay, what does it mean when he says expose him, does it just mean that we're supposed to tell the lunch table about what Johnny did last night? 
No. Does it, are we just being commanded to constantly be shedding light on our, on our siblings about what they do at home when our parents are gone? No. Expose here more literally means to convict, to rebuke. If we see a brother or sister in sin, we're not to share how weak they are with the world, but instead address them individually, tenderly, share the way that they are in sin. And there's another clue in the text that we see on our approach to this, how we're supposed to embody this. Notice how it doesn't say, take no part in the unfruitful people of darkness, but it says in the unfruitful works of darkness. As Christians, our mission field is the people of darkness. That's who we're sharing the gospel with. We're to share with the same kindness of Christ that we have first experienced. If you're here tonight, you're not a child of the light, and you haven't received this, I want to tell you like that this offer is available. The gospel is being proclaimed in this text even. And we get such an intimate offer by the Heavenly Father who's created all things to become His, to become adopted by Him. Some of you don't have fathers at home. Some of you have bad fathers at home. And the greatest father in the entire universe is offering and saying, come home, come home. That's such a tender offer. We become adopted into the family of God after being outcasts, enemies, exiles, foreigners, strangers, enemies of God. And not only does God change who we are, but he changes what we do. He changes our ability to live in a way that honors him. When God redeems our lives, it's not just one part of our lives. God redeems our entire lives. The things that we committed in sin, God can take and morph them into good. That is who our God is. That's explained in Genesis chapter 50 in the life of Joseph. You can study that in small group. It's fantastic. This is what it looks like to be children of light. They discern God's will. They oppose darkness. And third, they walk wisely. They walk wisely. Do you know the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Do you know the difference between wisdom and knowledge? I've, I've heard some, there's some quote, something like, wisdom is knowledge applied. So it's like the practical outliving of wisdom. Here's an example. Help you, help you remember this. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Technically, tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad. I heard someone echo that. Not putting it in fruit salad, Right? So there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. And when he says in verse 15, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. It's not just being filled and puffed up with knowledge, but it's an applied wisdom that we have in our lives. We receive this wisdom from the Lord, and then we're called to demonstrate the wisdom in the way that we live. How we walk is colored by the wisdom that we have received. That goes right into the next one. Point number four, use time well. Use time well. Children of light discern God's will. They oppose darkness. They walk wisely. Number four, they use time well. In verse 16 and 17, it says that we are to make the best use of our time because the days are evil. That is an odd thought. The days are evil. I I don't think I've ever referred to a day as evil. I've had bad days before, had bad weeks before, but I would probably never say that day is evil. Maybe some of you feel that way about Mondays. Like Monday, that's just an evil day. I don't, I don't, I don't do Mondays, right? It's the start of the week. Just don't want to get going. 
But the idea here is not in regards to a bad day, some negative experience, but it's a reminder that, that we don't have much time. The amount of time that we have on earth is very limited in light of eternity. We've been given a new heart as Christians, and now the only purpose that we have on earth is to share this good news with those around us. Whether you recognize it or not, your time on earth is precious. It really is. And you can ask any person who's about to pass away, who's laying on their deathbed, what they wish they had more of. You won't hear anyone say more money. You won't hear anyone say more popularity. You won't hear anyone say a higher, a higher high score in Fortnite. More gold skin camo guns in Call of Duty. You won't hear that. It's because these people in that moment are realizing that the days are evil, that the number of days that they have left is very few. If we aren't intentional in our lives, we coast. But remembering frequently that the number of days that we have left on this earth can be fuel to the fire within our hearts. God is desiring to use that even now. It gives us confidence, boldness, and courage in risking relationships. Being bold in our proclamation of the gospel, in seeking out lost people, even if it makes you unpopular or uncool or you, you miss out on friendships, like it is worth it. And we only remember that it's worth it when we remember that our days are few. We are to use our time well. When we think often on this, the Spirit naturally will drive us towards those around us. Anytime we see a list of commands, or principles to apply, even as I've begun listing a few principles of how a child of light lives, it can be easy to think that this is just a series of tasks to complete, a series of categories in our lives that we should do a little better on. The growth of the Christian is driven ultimately by one thing. It's the Spirit of God. Only one thing enables us, empowers us, and encourages us to live according to God's will. And that is His Holy Spirit that works within us, in our hearts. That's point number five. Children of the light are filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. If we look at verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Debauchery here is just a word generally for sin. That's sinful but be filled with the Spirit. Children of light don't rely on the things of the world to enable them to act. Just because alcohol or drugs may change or alter our mood does not mean that they honor God when we use them. The real producer of peace in your heart is not pot. It's the Spirit. It's God's Spirit within you. God fills us up. And he satisfies us in a way that the things of this world that are dying will never be able to do. What's the sign of inner peace of God, of the inner peace of God? It's that it's shared with others. It's not individualistic. It's not just about how I feel. It's recognized in the hearts of others. The same spirit that resides in you, Christian, resides in the heart of the Christian sitting right next to you. It resides in the same heart of the Christian that is in China being persecuted for their faith. Because of this, we are called to make melody in our hearts to the Lord. Make melody in our hearts to the Lord. We've been satisfied by God because he's given so graciously to us. We're supposed to sing. We're supposed to be filled with, with a heart of gratitude towards this. And we're supposed to share that 
by addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When we're filled by the Spirit of God and our heart makes melody, we are led to, number six, give thanks. Children of light, give thanks. Maybe if you hear the term give thanks, you immediately think of saying a quick prayer over a dinnertime meal. Maybe you think of a post-game interview with an athlete who just made a game-winning shot and they say something along the lines of, yeah, I just give thanks to God, thank you for the ability to do this. The Christian has much more to be thankful for than just a meal, than just a successful shot, a winning of the game. Paul says in verse 20 that we are to be giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus. This is a very comprehensive command of thanksgiving. It's not just give thanks when God does this in your life, or if this circumstance is present with you, then you can give thanks. He says give thanks at all times for all things. It's really hard to remember that. We forget that quickly. We have a bad day. What do we want to do? Pout about it. Confess, oh, you know, I just, this is so overwhelming. I just can't handle this, right? And maybe there are real things that we suffer through. I, I, I'm confident that there's someone in this room, there's probably many people in this room who feel that way right now. That life is hard. There's something that's going on that's just overwhelming to you. But the truth is that when we receive Christ by faith in our hearts, God promises to redeem every part of our lives. He, repro- he promises to redeem the terrible days, the days where you failed your math test, the days where you got in a car accident, the days where everything went wrong with your friends, even more serious issues, the days that you heard a cancer diagnosis, the days that someone you love passed away, the days that you heard of an abusive relationship, the days that maybe you were abused. God has the power alone to redeem those things. And that allows us to give thanks at all times for all things. Does this mean we can't grieve? We can't show frustration, sadness, sorrow? No. That's pretty clear in the Psalms. It's going through all these different ide- all these different real-life experiences of the psalm writers who are expressing their frustrations, their hurts, their anxieties, their sorrows to the Lord. And yet, when Paul says this, he means this. That we are able, we are able to give thanks at all times for all things. And it's only because of the power of the Spirit that redeems all things within our lives. Don't forget Matthew 5.22 that God cares for you. Maybe some of you just, that's the only thing that you need to hear tonight. God cares for you. The Lord is faithful in all his words, and he is kind in all his works. Psalm 145, 13. Faithful in all his words, kind in all his works. The Christian, the child of light, is to give thanks. So how does a child of light live? They are to discern God's will. They are to oppose darkness. They are to walk wisely. They are to use their time well. They are to be filled with the Spirit. They are to give thanks. And finally, our last point. They are to submit to God. Submit to God. 
Verse 21 says that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because we love Jesus, we're willing to give up our lives on a whim. We're willing to give up our preferences, our opinions, our desires, our aspirations. Maybe you have aspirations to be in this particular career field. Maybe you really want to go somewhere in life. Maybe you want to move somewhere. Maybe you say, I'm tired of Rockford. I'm moving here because that's where I want to be. Maybe it's, I really want to play this sport as long as I possibly can all the way through college. Maybe it's, I want to pursue an acting career and I'm going to go wherever I want to go, wherever there's an opportunity. But what this verse reminds us is that we are called to submit to one another. And ultimately, not just to submit to each other, but to submit to God and God's call on our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.14 phrases this idea, and it says that Christ's love compels us. There's a motive within us that comes from Christ in the way that he has cared for us. And because of that great love, in light of that great love, we desire to move towards submission to God in all things. Christ's love to us and our love to him makes us desire to give our lives away for whatever he calls us to do. I spoke on this last week in the life of John Patton. There was nothing he was unwilling to do because he knew the love of God compelled him. And this is a beautiful thing when we live our lives in this way. It's beautiful in the sight of God. Submission is something that God calls us to do, but we, we also get to remember that it's not something that he didn't first do. Philippians 2, two starting in verse 4 and going on, It says that Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Though he had equality with God, he did not count it a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Jesus, the Son of God, seated on high above all creation, submitted. He submitted to a sinful life, to a sinful world, not to a sinful life, to a sinful world, to sinful structures, sinful parents. Because he loved his father. And because he knew his father loved him and he was pleased with him. And Jesus didn't just come to live, but he came to die on our behalf. On behalf of sinners who would put their trust in him. This life, to pull from verse 2 of Ephesians 5, is a fragrant offering to God. It's a fragrant thing. It's a pleasing aroma. It's something that God delights when he sees Everything in our lives that follows a faith-filled heart is a fragrant offering to the Lord. Be encouraged by that. Even when we look on our lives and just feel really discouraged, Christian, that the amount of fruit that you've produced, the amount of things that you have seen God do in your life is really small. I felt that way. Looking back on this season of life and just thinking, wow, I feel like I I didn't do anything for the Lord and I wanted to. We can be encouraged to know that All of the things that flow from faith out of our hearts are a fragrant offering to God because they show that we're willing to submit to him in all seasons. And again, we submit because he first submitted to us. If you're here tonight and you do not submit to the Lord, you do not know him, you do not love him, remember that this gospel extends to you. It extends to you. Wherever you are in life, Whether you're weary, you're wayward, you're lazy, or you're lost, the good news of Jesus Christ is here. 
The love of Christ was shown 2,000 years ago when the author of life was killed for the sake of sinners like me and like you. And he invites you tonight to receive this gift by faith. Let's pray.